You're listening to a Royal Children's Hospital Education Hub podcast. Hello and welcome to the Paediatric Papers podcast. Bite-sized summaries of pivotal paediatric articles so you can consume important research on the go. I'm Jai, one of the Education Hub Fellows at the Royal Children's Hospital, and today is July 6th. Today, we're going to review some research about the multi-system inflammatory disorder associated with COVID-19 in children. The article contains a case series of children from London and helps arm us with information on how to best diagnose the syndrome, how not to miss it, and also some important things to have in the back of our head every time we have a child we suspect or who is confirmed to have COVID-19. As always, in this podcast, all we're going to focus on is the article's positive findings and how to use them on the ward day to day. So for a more critical analysis, take a look at the full written summaries, the article and resources on the Paediatric Papers website. Let's get started. The article comes to us from Whitaker and his colleagues in London, and it's titled Clinical Characteristics of 58 Children with a Paediatric Inflammatory Multisystem Syndrome temporarily associated with SARS-CoV-2. It was published in the JAMA Journal in June of this year, 2020, and it's a case series of 58 children from eight different hospitals in England who both met the criteria for this paediatric inflammatory multisystem syndrome that's been abbreviated to PIMS-TS, and that they either tested PCR positive to the SARS-CoV-2 virus or were IgG positive. The researchers then analysed all these self-reported clinical symptoms, the signs that some of the clinicians had picked up. Laboratory and imaging results from these children confirmed to have SARS-CoV-2 and this PIMS-TS, and then compared those findings to children who had been diagnosed with other inflammatory syndromes, such as Kawasaki's disease or toxic shock syndrome. The researchers were trying to help us be able to pattern recognise PIMS-TS and distinguish it from all these other different illnesses. The major findings were that there seemed to be a significant overlap of the clinical signs and symptoms associated with Kawasaki's disease and this PIMS-TS syndrome. For example, most children with PIMS-TS seem to have fever for three or more days. In fact, some had fever up to 19 days. That they had similar mucocutaneous signs, things like an erythematous rash, conjunctival injection or red cracked lips that they had very high inflammatory markers, most having CRPs greater than 200s and very elevated ferritin levels, and that some children also went on to have cardiac issues, notably coronary aneurysms that we classically associate with Kawasaki's disease, but others also developed cardiogenic and distributive shock, similar to those who have Kawasaki's disease shock syndrome. On the flip side, some of the things that researchers thought were more specific to PIMS-TS than some of the other inflammatory syndromes were the presence of abdominal pain. More than half of the children had abdominal pain or other gastrointestinal features that half needed to go to the intensive care unit for treatment, either for inotropic support, ventilation or treatment of acute kidney injury. And that children with PIMS-TS often had very high cardiac markers in their blood, so that in two-thirds their troponin levels were elevated, and in more than 80% they also had raised BNP levels. 
The other important blood work finding was that children with PIMS-TS seemed to have much more impressive full blood counts where their neutrophilias were greater than 13, and often they had associated profound anemias, lymphopenias, and much lower platelet counts than children with things like Kawasaki's disease. The last important finding that we'll talk about is that children with this PIMS-TS seem to fit into three clinical course groups. Either one, they just had persistent fevers and inflammatory markers were raised. Two, that they developed either Kawasaki's or an atypical Kawasaki's disease. Or three, they developed full-blown shock with left ventricular dysfunction, raised cardiac markers, and sometimes even dysrhythmias. What was especially interesting was that children from all three clinical course groups developed coronary aneurysms. So it didn't matter if you were very unwell with shock or just had fevers and high inflammatory markers, your chance of having a coronary aneurysm seemed to be the same. So what does all of that mean for us on the ward? Whilst it's always important to detect children with Kawasaki's disease and other related inflammatory syndromes to prevent long-term issues like coronary aneurysms, in the current day, it's really important that we're actively looking for SARS-CoV-2 by PCR and serology in children who present with any of these features, but also those with abdominal symptoms, very high inflammatory markers, and shock. We should also anticipate that any child we diagnose with COVID-19 might need higher level support and extra testing. So that might mean an early transfer to the intensive care unit, eventual ventilatory or inotropic support, or some ongoing investigation for some of those cardiac sequelae we talked about. For more information around the literature regarding children, COVID-19 and other diseases, check out the Pediatric Papers website. On the summary, we've got some hyperlinks to the WHO definition of PIMS-TS, a hyperlink to a similar study in children that was done in New York, and a link to the Don't Forget the Bubbles image that depicts what children with PIMS-TS look like. That's it for this episode of Pediatric Papers. Please give the podcast a like if you enjoyed it, and leave us any comments and feedback down below. Remember, the better your feedback, the better this podcast. To get involved, send us an email at education.hub at rch.org.au and check back every Monday for a brand new Paediatric Papers episode. Thanks for listening. Please view the description section below for more information on this topic. The Education Hub is a collaboration between the Royal Children's Hospital and the University of Melbourne Department of Paediatrics and funded by the RCH Foundation.